0: Let's, let's get into the sermon this morning. And, um, I was, uh, oh, where are my sermon notes? Oh dear. Um, I just, oh, it's just so embarrassing. So oh, they're not there long, I just look around, man. Just, the sound desk, I came in this morning, did I leave them? By the AV table. Mac, why don't you just look around there, bro? There must be here somewhere. Um, check the toilet. What did I do? Okay, retrace my steps. Did you find them? No, you didn't. Okay. Um, oh, really? Thank you. <laughs> I, seriously, I, I, this is embarrassing here. We are and I'm standing in front of all of you and I I don't have my notes on me and I and I can't remember where I put them for now My wife always says retrace my steps. So I know I came in And then I opened the blinds this morning. I was at the sound desk. Are you sure sound desk? nothing there? Just the powerpoints. Okay, but that's not gonna help me because yeah, maybe it will a little bit later I opened the blinds over there this morning. Is there anything that side of the church? Crabs? Maybe on the windowsill there? Have you got something? Have you found it? You found my sermon notes. Come here, bro. Give him this guy a hand. Well done, man. Come on. Awesome job. Do you want to preach it now? <laughs> sermon. Look at that, eh? This is great. So page one says... Luke 15. But there's no other pages. Did you steal the pages, bro? There were more. There was like about 10 pages here. Nothing. So all I have is this one. Luke 15. Okay. I who's got a Bible this morning? Can, can you go to Luke chapter 15? Shucks. That's all we've got. It's okay. We can do it. We can do it. You could, you could tell me what, what Luke 15 is all about. I can't even remember what what is Luke 15 about. Can you just maybe look through your Bible when you're there? Luke 15. Some of you are getting scared. You're thinking you might have to preach this morning. <laughs> Bible says be ready in season and out. We should be able just to pick a leader here this morning, huh? yeah? Okay, Luke 15. That's that's all we've got this morning. I, th- I think it'll be enough. Who can tell me just, just briefly, what is Luke 15 about? Like what are the main headings there? A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost, and a lost son. How appropriate that I lost my sermon notes this morning, huh? <laughs> so we're talking about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost So, okay, well, I tell you what, why don't, why don't we just write the sermon together this morning? I've got this board over here. You guys can help me, because you all got Bibles and you know the Bible really well. So can we just, can we just write the sermon together? Is that alright? Can you guys see? Whoopsie, I'm just breaking the place up here. Can everybody see there? That's okay. Alright, so what have we got? We've got Luke. 15 huh? Yeah? so we have luke 15 okay it's a big chapter and what is it about again lost sheep lost coin and a lost sermon i mean a lost son okay all right now we can just we can write the sermon together, okay? So if some of you have been wanting to do like a sermon training, then we can just we can just do it, yeah? And then we can all walk out of here this morning know how to write a sermon. Hey, it's, it's really it's quite simple. First thing you do when you write a sermon is, especially when you've got a passage like this, and you already have your your passage and your scripture, the first thing who knows what the first thing you do? Pray, yes. None. Well, let's pray. Father, we pray. And we ask you to help us this morning to understand what you're saying to us through this word. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate the word? Would you give revelation to us? Will you give understanding to us so that we know your heart this morning? Amen. Okay, what's the next thing we do? When you read it, good, okay. So we read the passage and then then what what, the, the thing that you look for is in the first thing you really look for is context okay why was this written to who was it written what was the purpose of this being written why was this recorded is this any value any importance to us at all so who can tell me what is the context of luke 15 this morning Read verse 1 and 2. Maybe that will give us a hint. Anybody? Don't be afraid. to shout it out when you know. Why, what, what's going on? Why did Jesus tell these stories? He was talking to, to lost people. Who specifically was he talking to there? Tax collectors. Pharisees. Pharisees. Eh? Uh, okay. No, he wasn't talking to tax collectors. He was. He was with tax collectors. And he was talking to. Okay, and, and why was he talking to the Pharisees? So he tells these three stories to the Pharisees. Why was he telling these stories to the Pharisees? Because they. They were. Yeah, they were they were like being religious. What were they being religious about, though, in this passage? That Jesus was eating with sinners. Yeah, you can see that in verse 1 and 2. Hey. So Jesus is hanging around, and the Amplified Bible says, especially wicked sinners... Right, and he's eating with them, and he's hanging out with them, and he's talking with them. And these Pharisees are watching this thing, and they're getting the mudders. They're like, "How's this guy? You know, how come he's hanging out with these guys? Doesn't he know what these guys do? This is like the mafia here. You know, these are like, you know, these these are like. We know some of these characters, yeah. You could put some names. No, not people here, Langer. Okay, (laughs) this is not the time to name names in the congregation. So Je- so jesus is sitting with these fishy wicked things and the pharisees are getting the mutters Why are you sitting with these people? Why are you talking to these people? Why are you even paying any sort of attention to them? You should be paying attention to us because we are We are the, we are good people You know And if you really were a prophet and if you really are the messiah that you say you are then you should be focusing on us not on them and so they were all wrapped up in kind of like a religious mindset that looked down on people who didn't believe, people who were sinners. Am I right? So the context of this passage that we're looking at is that there were, there were, there were sinners, okay? And Jesus was loving them. Okay, that's a heart, just in case you didn't know. Just color it in so you can see. All right. And then there were Pharisees. All right. And Jesus is talking to them. And he's telling them these three stories. All right. Why is he telling them these three stories? So he's addressing them. But, but why, is he, why is he telling him these three stories? In each of these stories, we see one, a sheep gets lost, and the shepherd does everything he can to get the sheep back. Then we see a coin getting lost, and this woman cleans her house, turns it upside down to find that missing coin, and then she rejoices when she finds it. And then the lost son, we we see a father waiting for his son to return home after rebelling against him and then he comes back and there's this incredible celebration of the son coming home again. Why did Jesus tell these three stories? Come on, you've got to help me preach this morning to the Pharisees. What is Jesus trying to communicate you? That, that the most important thing is reaching the lust. Okay? So, sinners, okay... I'm going to put this in an important thing They are Important Okay, so Jesus is trying to say That they are very Important to him That's why he's telling these three stories And not only is he doing that Telling them that they're important He's saying that they are a priority Hey Important, they're a priority And where is God's heart? He loves them Okay Now, do you think Jesus wanted the Pharisees to just know that they're important to Jesus and that they are a priority to him and that he loves them and then he sees them as valuable and then that's it? Like, guys, I just want you to know that. Why else would he tell us these stories, tell them the story? Because he wants their minds to change. Okay, he's looking for them to change. So the symbol I know for change is a triangle. Where did I get that from? It's economics, eh? I think it's an Ecos. All right. So he wants his objective here is he wants the Pharisees to change. He wants them to know his heart, but he also wants them to have the same heart that he has. He sees them trapped in a particular mindset, and he's communicating his heart to them because he wants them not just to know, but he wants them to change. He wants them to do the same that he does. It reminds me of a, a, a passage where Jesus said this. He said, I have come to earth to seek and... Can we all say it together? I have come to seek and save... Okay, I'm going to ask you a question and you reply with that answer. Why did Jesus come? Some of you are not really saying it this morning. Why did Jesus come to earth? To seek and save the lost. What was Jesus' priority here on earth? To seek and save the lost. What did Jesus give his life to while he was here on earth? How important were the lost to Jesus? Uh, I got some of you. (laughs) Some of you are like, to seek and save the (laughs) lost. Very, very, very important if we look at these passages over here, You know what? A lot of the sermons coming back to me now. Okay, I'm, I'm starting to remember some of the preparation. I remember that we're actually... Oh, you're also writing up there. That's awesome, hey! These guys are amazing. Um, we're, part, we're doing all a series at the moment, and it's called Always. Okay? And what we're doing in the series is we're looking at the things that we should always be doing as Christians. So we looked at our first sermon a couple of weeks ago was what? Honor. And we looked at the fact that as Christians, this is just something that we always do. We always give honor to everyone. Amen. So even the people that we don't think deserve it. Isn't that true? We, we give honor, all right? So honor is something that we give. Then we looked at the sermon Mr. Umtata preached on blessing. That we, we always bless. He's in the, in the kids' mom, the parents' in room over there. Mr. Umtata. Yeah, he preached a message on that we should always be a blessing. So we, wherever we go, we, we, we bless people. That we don't have this taker mentality, but we always have this mentality that we are blessed to be a blessing. And then last week, Mac shared a word. Macabongwe shared a word on forgiveness and how we should always forgive. 70 times 7. Send and release. Send and release. Wasn't that a powerful word last week? And, and just forgiveness needs to be something that we're always doing. It's, so in this series, this is what we're talking about. Things that we always do. If you're a Christian, this is what you do. If you're in a situation and you, and, you know, and, and, and you feel like you just want to dishonor, you've got to remember, no, I honor. I always give up. And, and your flesh is going mad. Ah, I don't want to forgive them. I don't want to honor them. But you, as a Christian, you, you know what you do. You always forgive. You always honor. And you always bless. That's what we... So even our enemies. So there's just no, there's no room. Bless those who curse you, Jesus said. You know, there's just... No room for anyone being left out in this thing. We have to bless everyone always. So, the message, I'm thinking, if this is our passage this morning and this is the series that we're doing, what would be a good sermon title? Always Share Christ. Yeah. That's something that we should always be doing as Christians. We should always be sharing Christ. We should be on a mission to seek Christ. And save the lust. Isn't that true? Alright, what was Jesus' number one purpose? Say it again. Jesus. Say it a little bit bolder too. And, and did he just do that as an example of like someone who's super spiritual, super awesome. He's the son of God. And he just wanted to be this like, wow, I'm the guy. Or did he do it as a model for us so that we should be doing it as well? Model for us, yeah kind of like why he told these three stories. He didn't want the, the Pharisees just to know God's heart. He wanted them to change. He wanted to say, hey guys, be like me in this case. When you think about sinners, when you think about lost people, this is how you need to think about them in your life. Amen? So now we, we have the context for our story and we even have a sermon title. So let me, let's write the sermon title. So it's what? Always... Share Christ. See, you guys are preaching sermons already, huh? Look at that, all right? You're all going to go away from church today, preaching to your families today, huh? Okay? So always share Christ. Have you noticed that sharing is not something that comes naturally to us? How many parents do we have here in the room this morning? How many times are you telling your kids to share, and you have to, like, teach them that? Like, they don't just they don't they don't just get that thing huh yeah take a take a look at this little video clip on on sharing this morning just so we can <laughs> isn't that classic
1: man
0: <laughs> You know that 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 video got me thinking it it isn't that us, hey? Isn't that us? I mean, we, we were all in that position where we just, you know, we had something nice and we looked at someone who didn't have what we have and we're like, no, not today. This lemon meringue pie is mine. <laughs> sharing is not something that comes naturally to us it's something that we have to learn it's something that our parents have to drill into us it's something that you know it's a value it's a virtue that we have to learn so if if we remember our our anchor scripture for the series which is in 2 peter chapter what sorry 1 peter chapter 2 verse 9 it says this it says but you're a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy can we read it together but you are into His marvelous light. Okay. Why did God call you out of darkness and into His marvelous light? The answer over there is that so that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and that you may display the virtues and perfections of Him. Alright? I love this passage of Scripture. I remember reading this when I was like a like a new Christian and I was like, royal priesthood, holy nation, special people. I mean... You guys have read the scripture before. Isn't it like a really amazing scripture? Like, really, are we all of that royal priesthood? I'm not really sure what that means, but it sounds awesome. You know, I want to be that, okay? Holy nation, special people, and, and it's really amazing what Christ has done for us. You know, that's what He has done. He's made us a priesthood. What is a priesthood? It's somebody who acts between man and God. Somebody who acts for God on behalf of man and somebody who acts be, before on behalf of man, towards God. A royal priesthood. So we're royalty, baby. Amen. We're royalty, but we're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a special people. God's really done all of this, and and you know what? We could spend all of our time just looking at what Jesus has done for us in the passage in Scripture. There's so much. There's so many passages out there that we're now the children of God. That He's taken our sin and thrown us as far as the east is from the west. That He's given us His Holy Spirit and empowered us to live a righteous life. That we now have fellowship with the Father and access to the Father. The list of blessings goes on and on and on and on what we receive in Christ what we receive in Christ what we have in Christ who we are now in Christ and we need to meditate on that we need to know that but I want you to see that this passage tells us that all of that is for a reason and the reason is so that we can take all of that that God has made us and we can show it to the world that we can share it with the world that we take what we have and we're giving it to other people that we give blessing that we give Honor that we give forgiveness because why we've received forgiveness because our debts have been forgiven and our debts were so massive That's our foundation now for why we should be giving to other people as well All right, the forgiveness that they that, that we ourselves have received so we should be giving all of these things, but the number one thing that we should be giving is Christ. The number one thing that we should be sharing with people is Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the entry point for every other blessing of God. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything else on that page up there, or anything else in the book. Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the father no one has access to the father no one has eternal life no one has their sins forgiven no one has the blessings of heaven the fellowship of the holy spirit on their life no one has these things unless they come through me i am the way i'm the truth and the life and no one has access to all of this Unless you come through Jesus. So Jesus is the door to every blessing of God. So the number one thing that we should be sharing with people is Jesus. And I know some of you are looking at me like, always? Always? Like pastor, I've got a job and I've got studies and then I've got kids and then I, I've got to go to work and then I've got to go, you know, then I gym at lunchtime and then I'm back at work and then I'm in the shops and then when I'm in the shops, I'm, I'm running to school and then after school, I'm running to home to my neighborhood and I'm, and I'm saying, yes, you should always share Christ, not as an extra appointment in your day, but as A continual appointment at all those places throughout your day. That you share Christ at school, at work, at the gym, at... Where do you go? The grocery store, in your neighborhood, in the normal flow of your life. You should always be sharing Christ. That that's something that we should always... It shouldn't be this like, okay, troops, we're going to gather together. Friday night, we're going to go share Christ. Christ. That's awesome. Let's do that. Okay. But it should be part of our lifestyle as Christians. It's something that we're always doing. So as we, we're, we're going to the shops, we're, we're going for bread and milk. Amen. But we're also going for souls. As when we're picking up the kiddies from school and we're waiting for them to arrive and all the parents are standing around talking that we're waiting for our kids. But we're, we're also waiting to see if there's an opportunity to share Christ with the people. That we go to work to do our work every single day. But not only do we do our job and do we get through our assignments and all the things that we have to do. But while we're in that place, we're looking, are there people here that I can share Christ with? Is there somebody around me that I can share the gospel with? Amen. We should always be sharing Christ. Why? What did Jesus come to do? He came to... Tell the person next to you, what did Jesus come to do? Tell the person behind you, what did Jesus come to do? Okay, what should you do? Seek and save the last. Seek and save the last. Why? Because it's important. It's where God's heart is. It's His priority. Amen? Okay, sermon done. Let's go home. No, I'm just kidding <laughs> i'm sure there's more we can get out of this Hey, eh? okay what's the next step in sermon prep? Next step is we kind of we, we need to look at these at these this passage and and we we, we need to examine it a little bit deeper Alright? but but also, what I like to do when i 'm looking at a passage of scripture, I always look for things that what are the things that stand out to me when I, when I look at, 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 at a passage of Scripture? What are the things that jump out to me? And typically when I look at a passage of Scripture, something that I normally notice straight away, and, and I'm thinking you probably notice this as well, is that I, I normally notice numbers, all right? So one, one of the things I noticed here was there are three stories here. Is there any significance in that? I mean, let's just go deeper this morning. It's, there's three stories. Why Three stories to almost make the same point. Couldn't Jesus have just told one of these stories? The lost sheep would have been enough, eh? But then he went on and told about a lost coin. And everyone's waiting. And now he goes on and talks about a lost son. Why Why would Jesus go and tell three stories? Emphasis, correct. All right. So, So what we see here, all right, three communicates emphasis. All right. That's a big way to write something. Okay, emphasis. All right. So Jesus is trying to. Like, I mean, you, you you can say if you say something once, right? You said it. If you say it twice, people notice, right? But if you say it three times, you you're driving your point home. Either that or your audience is deaf. All right. You you're driving. All right, your point home you you are sealing your point and that's really interesting because if how many of you have, have like Know about numerics Bible numerics You know the numbers in the Bible always carry significance All right, so it, there's a, there's an entire study about numbers in the Bible It's one of the always one of my favorite subjects at Bible school because when you when you study it you realize How incredible god's hand is that you know, you've got all these different books and all these different authors But that's got the same use of numbers throughout in all of the books It's just incredible and how the significance that god attaches to numbers. So Where where do we see significance of numbers in the bible? Like where do we see a three as significant? Three wise men awesome the trinity father son and Holy Spirit Three wise men came. What else? He rose on the third day. Faith, hope, and love love abide. And the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 13, yeah. What else? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is like a three-generational kind of seed thing that's throughout the Scriptures. And some of you mentioned like the third day. If you look at Jesus' ministry in the Bible... Um, You'll see that he started ministering when he was 30 years old Right, which is three to the times ten ten being a number of completeness as well. So Complete completeness. He started his ministry at the perfect time. Jesus started his ministry. How long was his ministry? Three years right When he the three wise men came to his birth when he was praying in the garden of Gethsemane the night before the crucifixion How many times did he go pray? three times how many times did peter deny him three times what time was he hung on the cross in the third hour of the day okay how many hours of darkness were there when he was on the cross three hours of darkness on the cross what time did he die on the cross at 3 p.m in the afternoon the ninth hour and then he rose again on the third day if we look at the life of Christ, we see like the whole thing is threes, right? There's just threes all around it. How many books are there in the New Testament? <laughs> Some of you are quickly going to the reference page. There's <laughs> 27. 20, 27. What is 27 in relation to three? We're the maths people. Three to the power of? Three. Three times nine. Three to the power of three is 27. Any significance? Any Is that coincidence? Is it coincidence that Jesus told this story three times? No. What, do you, what, do you, what is three communicating in the Bible? When, I mean, when we look at the life of Jesus, what God is trying to say, I mean, I, I know this. There's been a couple times in my life where, where God is moving me in a new direction. He confirms it three times. When I moved home, he confirmed it in three different ways. When I was going to get married, he confirmed it in three different ways. There was, there was, was, look out for it in your life, okay? I'm not saying it's a rule always, but but look out for it. Often he, he does that when he wants to get our attention. He does it three times. When you look at the life of Christ, why is it wrapped up in threes? Because he wants to get our attention. And the number three is showing... Completeness is showing that he's making his points, he's emphasizing his points. How many of you know in Ecclesiastes it says one can be overpowered, two can withstand, but a threefold chord is not easily broken? So, if there was one story, we might have just dismissed okay, maybe God cares about the last, but now there's two stories, okay, God. He cares about the last. Now there's three stories, guys. Get this: He cares about the last. I want your full attention. That's what he's saying. It was actually in Hebrew law that you see that a, a, a matter could only estab, be established by the witness, by two or three witnesses. So, so when there's a three witness, a matter is resolved. Alright. right, so jesus was not only following like law from the old testament But he's trying to say guys. I want you to take note this if you don't if you miss anything Okay that i'm saying that's fine, but do not miss this. My heart is here I value the lust And i'm not just telling you so that you will know about it I'm telling you so that you will change That you won't be like the Pharisees and look at lost people and despise them, look down on them, forget about them. Or maybe the the, the older brother in, in, in the lost story over there who didn't really care that his brother had been missing and lost in sin. But that you would be a person that is like the father looking for his son, waiting for his son, welcoming his son home. That you would be like this woman who turned her house upside down looking for that coin. That you would be like that shepherd who leaves the 99, the joy of everything that Christ has given us, and go and look for that lost sheep, and then get them back so that they're in the kingdom again. That you would be like the people in these stories, because that's what God is like in these stories. So I think we're going to go through a little bit of change this morning So the first thing we noticed is the emphasis of the three another thing. I noticed numbers wise Was did you notice that the, the first one was one in a hundred? The second one was one in The the second story Was one in ten? Okay, and then the last one was Was one and two? They were two brothers, right? So, what do you think God is trying to communicate here? Do you think Jesus just throws out numbers, or do you feel like there's some significance to numbers now? There's some significance there, okay? So, what is that? There's one in a hundred, there's one in ten, and there's one in two. What 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 what, what's, what do we get out of that? What does that say to you this morning? The lost take priority. It doesn't matter if there's one in a hundred, one in ten, or if it's one in two, the same attention is given to the one. If it was one in a million, do you think there would be any different story that Jesus would tell? What about one in 60 million? Imagine everyone in South Africa saved except for one. Would the story still be told? It would still be told? What if it was one in in six billion, seven billion, one person on this planet? Would the story still be told? It would be. So what he's doing is, once again, he tells it three times to emphasize his heart, but then he's also telling us this to show us that it doesn't matter if it's just one. I will still give everything just for the one person. I will do it just for one. Amen. There's a scripture in 3 Peter 2. I think it will come up there. 2 Peter 3, sorry. <laughs> um, and it says this. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That all should come to repentance. That all should come to repentance. Can you say that this morning? That all should come to repentance. Think about your family. That all. Think about your block of flats or your neighborhood or your neighbors around you. That. Think about your campus students. That, that all should come to repent. Think about all the people groups in our nation. That all should come to repentance. All is everyone, okay? It doesn't matter how little or how many, there's all. A couple of years ago, we did this, um, this, this drive where we were praying for nations. And we gave you guys cards of people groups that were unreached. And we asked you to adopt those people groups and pray for them. How many of you still got those cards? I mean... Uh, there's just a few of us. I've still got mine, and I, I keep it in my journal. And when I open my journal, I still pray for this people group. The people group that I got was the Uzbek of Uzbekistan, <laughs> and I had to go look at my globe to find out where is Uzbekistan. <laughs> um, and it's uh, yeah, it's up there somewhere. All right. And, and, I, and on my card, you know what the, 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 the incredible thing about this, this people group is? Is that there's about 20, almost 24 million Uzbeks in Uzbekistan. 24 million. And, the, and my card says that less than 2% of them know Jesus. Or, or are involved in a, in a, in a church there. That was, that's 2% of 24 million. Who, who can tell me what... We're the mass people. How much is that? 500,000 people. Almost five. Four 480,000 people, right? That know Jesus. And 24... 23 and a half million that, that don't know Jesus. 23 and a half million that don't... And that's just one card. You guys all got cards of of multiple other things. And I look at that card and I sometimes remind myself about the scripture that none should perish but that all should come to repentance and I think about that. that God loves all of those Uzbeks in Uzbekistan he loves everybody in our city he loves everybody in our neighborhood and sometimes there is this mentality that slips into us as Christians that we think oh, well there's enough of us <laughs> you know we, we're pretty full here this is this is okay hey? And you know what my mom and my dad know. My brothers, another story. You know, they're a little bit off the rail, and and we kind of get this average mindset of like, okay, well, 50% is saved, so so we're doing all right. Or maybe you even you've you've got one other person that's saved, and you think, whew, we're okay. I want you to know that that's not how God thinks. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come. And in this scripture, it tells us a little bit more of the necessity of our mission. It tells us that the mission is a life and death mission. That the mission of sharing Jesus Christ is not just like because this is what we should do and it's a good thing to do and the quality of their life will improve and then they can come to church and sing songs like we do. Amen. No, we share Jesus because it's a life and death mission. Because the alternative of not having Jesus is that you perish, is that you die. It's eternity without God, in death. Jesus said, if you believe, you will live. And the alternative is you die. So we're on a life and death mission. Okay. What else? Let's move on. Are you still with me this morning? Check the person next to you, see if they're still awake, if they're writing a good sermon. Going deep here. Next thing you look for in a sermon is common themes. What do what do what do all these these stories have in common? Something's lost. Something valuable is lost. Hey, something valuable is lost. Okay, what's another thing? What else? What else do they have in common? There's a search. Correct. There's a actually let's call it an all-out search. And what else do they have in common? Yeah, there's a party (laughs) at the end when it's found. There's joy. There's a celebration that takes place. Okay? So, now we've got some common themes. I think that makes three good sermon points right there. What is our sermon title? Always share Christ. We've got our text. We kind of Know the significance of what Jesus is trying. He's really trying to drive this home. He's really trying to show us the value of just one person here. And now, when we look at this text, we we can see like three good points that they all have in common. That number one, something valuable is lost in each of these stories. Something of value is lost. I think this is just something that stands out so obvious in this passage is 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 that the the shepherd sees that sheep as valuable. Shepherd's like i'm gonna leave these 99 i'm gonna go after this one i'm gonna get this one back and and the And the woman she sees that coin as valuable. She doesn't just go. Oh, well i've got nine So it's okay. The one just gets lost the father when when that son comes back Kills the fatted calf. He puts a new ring on him a new robe on him sandals on his feet welcomes him back as a son You can see that his son was valuable to him and so the point that Jesus is really emphasizing here is that we need to see lost people as valuable. We need to see them as precious. Because so often what we can do as Christians is we fall into the mindset that they, we start to despise the lost. Look at these guys. Drinking, driving, smoking, swearing. Cheating lying stealing let them go to hell. huh? this is you know We just have this these people, you know, yeah, I have Jesus but these are you We can get into this judgmental mindset and we because of their actions Because of the way they live their lives because of the way they speak because of all of these things We actually start to despise them and we see them as not valuable We see them as actually dispensable In fact, this world would be better without them. Heaven, much better if they're not there. You know, we we, we really start to devalue them. And Jesus is trying to say, no, no, no. They're valuable. And He's hanging around especially wicked sinners. And He sees, why? Because He sees value in them. I don't know if... You you saw this this picture, Avi, if you wouldn't mind just putting that picture up, a missing persons board. This board was put up in New York City after 9/11, and you guys know the story of 9/11. The buildings crashed. I mean, those tall skyscrapers just crashed completely to the ground, taking buildings around them out, etc. We know that thousands of people lost their lives, but but New York for that. Two weeks after, even more, two months after this um, this this terrible tragedy that happened, this terrorist attack. Two weeks after, it was pandemonium. People were trying to leave New York because they didn't know if another attack was coming. They didn't know if a bomb was going to go off or some nuclear weapon. People were fleeing New York, but also other people were arriving in New York. So while people were running away from the mess of the tragedy, other people were running into the mess of the tragedy. Why were they running into the mess because they were trying to find their valuable people, their lost ones. And they would run around with pieces of, like, paper with their photos printed out on them saying, Have you seen my dad? Have you seen my brother? Have you, they didn't care that another bomb might go off. They didn't care that another plane might attack. They didn't care about this. They were, they didn't care about the safety of their own lives. They, they had pictures and they would run around saying, Have you seen this person? Have you seen this person? Have you, have you seen my child? Have you seen my son? Have you seen my daughter? Eventually, the city of New York erected this board um, that went on for like a mile so that people could put up their missing persons photos on this board. And this is what this is. These are missing persons right after the tragedy. Have you seen this person? And sadly, many of those people were not found. And so this board didn't become just a missing persons board. It became a memorial. It became a they were lost actually forever. And I got thinking about that and I was wondering, considering how much Jesus loves and values the lost, I wonder if there's a missing board heaven, a board in heaven. Missing person's board. And I wonder if like from the moment we celebrate the birth and the new arrival of kids and how valuable they are, that their photo gets put on that board in heaven. And then we just wait. Until the, somebody gives them the gospel, till somebody shares Jesus with them, then we can take them off the missing person's board. I can imagine just the angels, just all these faces, just those millions of people, faces, 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 and waiting for somebody to share Jesus so that they can take them off that missing person's board and say they have been found. We found what was lost. You know, when you understand the value of people, you go all out, man. You go all out for them. How can you show value for the lost people in your life? Well, this is why we started the Just One campaign. Sign up. It's 20 rand. You get a cool little pack over there with a key ring and some cards. And then what you do is you write down the people that you trust in God to save. And you and you put them here on the board. You roll them up and you put them into the board. And, and when we trust what we're we doing, this is our missing persons board. You know, I did a calculation of how many people have Signed up and if we all put five names on the board, we've got about 350 to 400 people written here on the board These are our missing persons I mean this morning Sake is not here Well, maybe Balanchler Anelise, These they're missing and I want you to know that this is not just another thing that we're doing. Like, okay, I've got five names and I put them on the board. and they're... No, no, what we're doing is we're saying they're valuable, they're important, they're lost, and we want them to be found. Amen? And then once they're up here, what you can do to show that you value them is that you can pray every day. Five minutes for these people. Pray for them. You can invest five minutes in them each week. Find somebody Send them a text. And then you could invite them to the case for Christ. Amen? <laughs> or, or something else. Invite them into your life. Invite them into your connect group. Invite them around in, for dinner. Invite them into your life so that they can catch this Jesus that you've got as well. Why? Because they are valuable to Jesus. Second point over there is that there was an all-out search that took place. All-out search. The number of Years ago, I watched this moving video, which I couldn't find for us this morning, but it was a a bomb blast went off in the Middle East, and a building collapsed, and there was a child in the building, and these men all knew that the child was in a particular place, and they began to dig in the dirt, and they didn't have shovels, so they were using their hands and this video is so emotional. You just see all these people, all these men just digging through the dirt. And you wonder, is there anything under there? And they're digging in the dirt. They're digging in the dirt. And then eventually they, they find this baby and they pull it out alive. And when they find it, man, they hold that baby up. And have you seen the video? They go crazy. The people just start screaming. It's incredible. When I saw that, I thought about this passage of Scripture. That's what that shepherd did. I mean, look at... Look, I think it's verse 4. I've I've got the passage over there. Look at verse 4 in your... In your scripture there. It says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost... This is the word that got me. Until he finds it. So not only did he prioritize the one... As the most important above the 99, all of us have got some 99s, right? Who do we spend our our time with? The 99, yeah. Okay. But not only did he say we need to prioritize the one over the 99, he then went searching and trying to find it until he found it. That says determination. That says perseverance. It reminded me of another scripture in John chapter 4. If you've got that scripture up there, it says this. this. What happened in this passage of scripture was Jesus was talking with a woman at the well and she ran into the the city, and said, come everybody, meet the, one, meet the Messiah, meet the one. And the disciples came back in the meantime, and then Jesus talks to his disciples, and this is what he says. He says, you know the saying, one plants, another harvest, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. So all these people are coming, and he's telling the disciples, it's harvest time. And you didn't even labor for it. But what I really understood about this passage is that there's, a, there's labor to be done in winning people to Jesus. We've got to, there, there's work. Just like a farmer plows the ground, sows seed, waters the seed. We need to put in some work to see. You're going to have to phone. You're going to have to invite. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to reach out to them. If they've got problems with the Bible, guess what? You're going to have to go and study why the Bible is authentic and show them why. Amen? All right, if they've got problems with, 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 with why Jesus, then you need to go and find out, well, why is Jesus? And then you need to bring it in a way that they can understand. If they've got, you know, a life that's trapped in sin, then you need to be the person that can help them out of that sin. There is work to be done in order to see people get saved. And sometimes it's not us who will see them get saved. Somebody else might just reap the moment, you know, preachers. We reap <laughs> We just said "Anyone you want to get saved people put up their hand we celebrate the moment people give their life to jesus But there's a whole story of other people involved before that moment takes place And so this all-out search is what I see here is this is determined. This is effort This is something that we've got to work at. This is something we've got to prioritize This is something that we've got to value like god values. Amen And then finally There's an all-out party that takes place there's a celebration that takes place. Um, I mean, when you look at look at some of these scriptures in, the, in this passage of Luke 15, um, the first one says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. What does heaven celebrate? Lost people coming home. More than us. Heaven's really happy that we're getting a lot right in our lives, that you prayed, that you read your Bible, that you're leading a connect group, that you're serving in church, and you're going to the worship practice, and you're getting involved. He loves that. But heaven really celebrates when a lost person comes to Christ. More, all right, than anything else. And there it says in Luke 10, it says, Luke 15, verse 10, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. In, in Revelation, it describes the angels as being a host too many to number. So I just try to imagine this crowd of angels celebrating over one, just one, that gives their life to Jesus. The, the final one is the son who comes home. And it says, The father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted coffee. I kill it. Let us eat. Let us be merry. For this my son was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and he's fun, And they began to be merry. So have you noticed in life that, that celebra- the magnitude of a celebration is normally linked to the magnitude of the victory? Have you noticed that? That, you know, if you're in a team and you win a match, there's a celebration. But if you win the World Cup, there's a celebration that's taking place. Jesus is trying to show us that the celebration of celebrations, the biggest celebration that takes place in heaven is when lost people come home. When people who don't know Jesus repent of their sins and give their life to Jesus. That's what he's communicating to us. He's saying this is the greatest victory. This is the highest victory I mean, there's many other victories that we can celebrate this morning, but this, maybe you get over that fear, maybe you get over that, you know, insecurity that you have, and that's something to celebrate. Praise the Lord, all right? Amen. But when a last person comes home, it's the World Cup. It's the World Cup, man. We should go crazy like the angels are going crazy. Amen. Why did Jesus tell us all of this? He wanted to show us that it's a priority to him this is his heart towards the sinners but he just didn't want us just to know about it he wanted us to to be like that to be like him amen i want to i've got a video i want to play for you okay and and i want this just to minister to you this morning it's a song that's been written by cory asbury and it's such a powerful song because it articulates so well what we've been talking about in this message. And I, want you, I don't want you to switch off now and think, ah, video time, okay? Please, can you just connect with God? Because the, pri- the, the purpose of the sermon this morning that we've written together was that we would become more like Him. That we wouldn't just know, oh, the lusts are important, like another Christianese thing we know, but that we would value them the way that God values them and that we would always share Christ. Thank you, A.V.
1: 15. Sometimes people get confused by it, but I feel like the Lord's all over it tonight. I want to read it to us. Oh, wow. <laughs> it says, now the text collectors and sinners are all gathering around to hear Jesus. The Pharisees and teachers of the law mutter, This man welcomes the sinners and eats with them. The religious people are mad. He sets the stage and Jesus pipes up. He told them this parable. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And after he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. He calls his friends, he calls his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, because I've found my lost sheep. And I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't. (laughs) Man, he's that good. I want to just read a couple thoughts Just share a little bit of the story behind this song And then we'll sing that bridge one more time And we'll go nuts We'll see what happens So when I use the, re- the phrase The reckless love of God When we say it We're not saying that God himself is reckless He's not crazy We are however saying that The way he loves is in many regards Quite so But what I mean is this He's utterly unconcerned With the consequences of his actions With regard to his own safety comfort and well-being his love isn't crafty or slick it's not cunning or shrewd in fact all things considered it's quite childlike and might i even suggest sometimes downright ridiculous his love bankrupted heaven for you for me his love doesn't consider himself first it isn't selfish or self-serving he doesn't wonder what he'll gain or lose by putting himself on the line he simply puts himself out there on the off chance that you and I might look back at him and give him that love in return. His love leaves the 99 to find the one every time. To many practical adults, that's a foolish concept. But what if he loses the 99 in finding the one, right? What if? Finding that one lost sheep is and will always be supremely important. His love isn't cautious. It's a love that sent his own son to die a gruesome death on a cross. There's no plan B with the love of God. He gives his heart so completely, so preposterously, that if refused, we would think it irreparably broken. Yet he gives himself away again and again and again and again, time and time again. Make no mistake, our sins do pain his heart, and 70 times 7 is a lot of times to get your heart broken. And yet he opens up and allows us back in every single time. His love saw you when you hated him, and all logic says they'll reject me. He said, no, I don't care what it costs me. I lay my life on the line as long as I get their hearts. To make it personal, his love saw me, broken down kid, with regret as deep as the ocean. My innocence and youth poured out like water. And he found me, and he put me on his shoulders. And he carried me on because he's just that good he's just that kind he's a father that never gives up so as we sing this bridge and chorus one more time just let it let it break down those walls tonight there's no shadow there's no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up coming after me yeah. there's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming out Yeah, again There's no shadow you won't light up bouncing you won't climb up Coming out He's breaking off self-hatred tonight There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming out There's no shadow now There's no shadow you won't light up bouncing you won't Come on, let it rise No wall you won't kick down by Come on, declare no shadow now. There's no shadow you won't die Now, see Coming out me. There's no problem.
2: I don't know about you, but as I've I've been listening to that, I've been listening to Wayne speak, and I've been listening to Corey, I just feel like I'm not doing enough. There's there's so many opportunities we get in a day, but one always feels busy or in a hurry for something. Going to the next meeting, going to that appointment, going to this thing, I'm going to that thing. And there's something very striking that Jesus said to his disciples that look and what do you see? And for them they just saw what they normally see. But he saw with different eyes. He said, Look, the, the harvest is white and it's it's ripe, it's ready. And we need to we need to look that way. Maybe maybe we look at it differently, maybe we, we look at it the wrong way when we're thinking about the next appointment and we're thinking about the next thing and this and this and that. But we need to be thinking about who am I seeing? What am I seeing before me? And slow down a bit and take time. People are the most valuable commodity we have on this earth. We chase jobs, we chase money, we chase, we chase, we chase. And then it's so easy to forget the most important thing that we have been giving here on earth to steward. And we need to steward people well. We need to go all out. All out on a search as a people of God. Relentless. Unrelenting. Not giving up. Not getting frustrated. Not getting offended. It's so easy to take that offense. It's so easy to be offended when when you're chasing and you're chasing and someone keeps on just just leave me alone but we need to be relentless and we need to carry on and not give up father god we we pray that you meet us lord where we are today lord whether we we reach out to five people in a week lord we pray for more whether we we reach out to three we pray for more increase our capacity whether we reach out to one we pray for more Lord whether we are shackled by fear we want to do it we yearn to do it we long to do it but we're shackled by fear we pray that you may release those shackles right now release those chains give us boldness Father God go out and to share your gospel with boldness Lord, we pray also that we may be diligent, Father God. As we've signed up for the just one, Lord, we we pray for each and every name on these boards, Father God. Each and every name, Father God, that has been written down with so much care and a yearning for them to know you, the only true God. We just pray, Jesus, for each and every person that is there. will not you just stretch out your hands to that board. Lord, we, we pray, Father God, that you may, may wreck them with your love, Father God. We pray, Jesus, that they may not be able to escape you. That right now, Father God, that you may go before us, Lord, and speak into their hearts. Draw them nearer, Father God. Let them see things. Let them, let them encounter things, Lord, that it will remind them that you are there, that it will show them, that it will reveal you to them, Father God. We pray, Lord, for us as we go out, Lord, as we have everything. Lord, we pray that you may just help us to manage our time. That we may prioritize your people. That we may hold it as, as the highest esteem, Lord. Church, we've, we, we've gone drastically over time. But I feel like we, we're not supposed to leave here without giving whoever feels like, you know what, you've been talking about this Jesus. You've been saying this Jesus and this Jesus and this Jesus and so much love and I don't know that for myself. I need to know this person. Won't you just stick out your hand right now? He said, I don't know this person that you're talking about, but I, 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 I want to know him. Won't you just put up your hand? I'm gonna say it three times. We all know what that means. Won't you just put up your hand? Won't you just put up your hand? Won't you just put up your hand? Father, we pray for each and every person in this in this auditorium, in this city. Father God, who doesn't know you. Lord, our prayers are that we may encounter you and that we may know you more and more each day. That they may get to know who you are. That they may live their lives for you, Father God. Live in Lordship. Bless you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray. Lord, that as we are seeing the way that you are seeing, Father God, that you may open up, Lord, so many opportunities for us, Lord, this week. That, Lord, you may open our eyes as well, Lord, to see as you see. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can all rise to your feet. Why not you give the Lord a round of applause? So worthy. So good. Um.